episode 816. As OTAs conclude for the Packers, we assess the pass rush in Green Bay. Sharing his thoughts is Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking Packers OTAs and the Packers Pass Rush. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Scott McKenna, the Talk and Smack blog, returning for his monthly engagement the second Friday of every month. Scott, how you doing today? I'm great, Brian. How are you doing? Very good. As always, glad to have you back on the show. Our theme for today's show is the Packers pass rush, and the inspiration was in part and due to comments made by Packers coaches Mike McCarthy and Dom Capers for their somewhat surprising remarks on the outside linebacker position this week. McCarthy said, quote, this is probably as good a depth as we've had there in some time. Scott, is that an opinion you share in light of the departures of Julius Peppers and Dayton Jones this offseason? You know, when you think of the purity of the 3-4 outside linebacker position and a guy who can do all phases of the game and really drop in coverage and get to the pass rush or get to the quarterback as a pass rusher and defend the run, who's got the ability to both stand up and put his hand in the dirt. You know, I think this this year's team has the makings of having more players that can do that. Now, if the Packers are thinking that they're going to be able to get the play out of the outside linebacker uh, position that they got in 2014 when Julius Peppers just made such a, a dynamic impact on this roster and on this team and really uh, uh, carried the team from a turn. I don't know that we're going to see that. But from just a pure numbers standpoint, as to how many guys on this roster that you think are going to play out, have the opportunity or the potential in their, in their skill set to, uh, to, to play all phases of the 3-4 outside linebacker position, I, I do think that there's some credence to that comment. The quality of the depth, I, you know, I, I don't know that there's, uh, you know, we, we got to remember that in 14, we, also, we still had Nick Perry, maybe not this version of Nick Perry, but we still had Nick Perry, and we had, you know, Clay Matthews at the time. I know he eventually got moved to the inside on a permanent basis for that year. But, uh, you know, it's just from a, a pure top-end quality perspective, I, I think that this this year is most certainly less than what we've had previously. But uh, from just depending on how you view the word depth, I do think that this year is They've taken a different approach to the position with almost the elimination of that elephant den position, um, pretending to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Yeah, you know, if I were to rank the team, you know, position in in terms of depth, I I might put outside linebacker last. But I'll say this for, for Mike McCarthy and Dom Capers and what they said this week, and the one way I agree with them is the guys who are gone, Dayton Jones and Julius Peppers, you know, they weren't the true 
outside linebacker. Those guys, Dato uh, Jones and Julius Peppers played pretty much as down interior linemen, like on third downs, passing downs. You know, where they weren't on the edge, they weren't on the outside. So, you know, so they lost two interior rushers, basically. Uh, I mean, not always. Again, they did play on the edge. But, you know, all the guys who played on the edge are back for Green Bay. Um, So from that perspective, they still have depth. But, you know, if we kind of talk about the guys still on the roster here, one by one, Scott, you know, starting with Nick Perry, is it just a matter of staying healthy for Nick Perry to play at a high level as we saw last year? You know, in short, I think the answer is yes. But you know, Nick Nick Perry, when he's been healthy throughout his career, has been an absolutely dominant run-stopping outside linebacker who has shown flashes of really being able to get get to the quarterback as a pass rusher. Now, I really hope that last year's success as a pass rusher just wasn't contract year motivation. And that he, now that he's been paid, let's hope he can continue to grow as a professional and continue to develop as a, as a pass rusher. Am I worried that he's going to be stagnant now that he got paid? Absolutely not. I don't think he's wired that way. I don't think he's that type of guy. And I really think he's a mean football player. Um, so I, I do think it's just a matter of Nick Perry staying healthy and being, uh, being available for 16 games and, having two hands and two healthy legs. And I think if that's the case, Nick Perry's going to have another really monster year in 2017 and put him in conversation to be a pro bowler. Yeah, it is weird. Like how many different areas of his body, Nick Perry is hurt. It's, it's not like it's constantly the same knee he's hurting over and over. It's, it's a hand, it's a, it's a heel, it's a foot, it's whatever. Um, but yeah, he played very well last year. Um, and, uh, the guy opposite him a lot of the time, Clay Matthews, Scott, if you had to guess, what percentage of snaps would you say Clay Matthews plays at inside and outside linebacker this season? You know, I've been very vocal on this show previously that uh, I really think Clay Matthews should be an inside linebacker first and an outside linebacker in pass rushing situations. Unfortunately, I think that due to the uh, the run-stopping depth and the run-stopping strength, of our outside linebackers, Clay Matthews is likely going to be playing two thirds of his snaps at the at the outside linebacker, and then maybe being a, a rover or a wildcat, if you will, at the as a uh, as a pass rusher, moving him around a third of the snaps that he's on the field. Um, so uh, you know, for the snaps that he plays this year, I'm I'm thinking roughly two thirds of them will likely be as an outside linebacker. And, uh, you know, the rest of them will be, you know, him sort of moving around the, uh, the line of scrimmage. So is that the way you would use him now? I mean, you, you told me what you think's going to happen. What would you do if you were the coach? I would have, I would have Clay Matthews as an inside linebacker on early downs. You know, I, I think that his, him, him, lo- his, his, him losing leverage battles and trying to play too high and the, and the run stopping game, you know, again, nothing's been written about this. This is just my take. I think that him losing that leverage battle has uh, has aided to him having back and hamstring issues. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would play him as a guy that gets to see the play in front of him as an inside linebacker on early downs. And then when it when it's time to get to the quarterback, 
I'd put him on the outside. I'd be letting him using his his wide array of uh, of pass rushing moves to get to the quarterback. And at the inside linebacker, I would do a lot of the things that they're talking about. I'd have largely a rotation of Burnett and Jones and and uh, and Joe Thomas at inside linebacker, where this defense would be quicker, it would be faster, and it really would have better players who would be more equipped to defend the pass on the field. And uh, you, you know, we we then would be talking about having eight or nine guys on the field that really feel comfortable dropping into coverage on a third down and it would allow for capers to, you know, add to his disguise and the complexity of his defense with people, with, with people that he can move into different positions. Yeah. I like the sound of that. Um, so we talked about Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, two guys, if healthy, you're very comfortable with, and you know, two guys who really could play in an elite level, a pro bowl level, Here's where the question marks start to creep in now. Uh, let's talk about the most experienced backup, J. Ron Elliott. Scott, is this the year J. Ron Elliott finally grows, or, or is he destined to be the same as last few years? They just use him in a bit role. I know I was hoping last year his role would be bigger, and it, it wasn't. What, what are we looking for in store for J. Ron Elliott in 2017? Yeah, it sure feels like we've had the, we've asked this question the last couple of years together. And, uh, you know, I, I think I've made somewhat of a similar comment the last two years saying, boy, you know, in the preseason, he's been Mr. August. And it's felt like he, he's had KGB potential coming off the edge. He's the quickest guy off the ball. He times the snap so well. He's infrequent with jumping off sides. Occasionally does. But, man, he gets to the edge, and he gets around the corner, and he turns that corner so well, and uh, he's poised to have a breakout year. And then last year, he disappeared in August, uh, was was injured for most of the year, and then didn't even make his, his impact on special teams that we have come grown to, to or accustomed to seeing him play at such a high level. And we didn't even see that last year. So uh, it was a small surprise that he was brought back at the pay that he, that he did. Uh, but, you know, there's so much upside there. And, you know, the real really you got to hope that this is the year that he's going to break out and have five to seven sacks. Would I ba- bank on that happening? I, I wouldn't. And uh, I, I think that as the season rolls, Beagle's going to end up eating snaps for him uh, from him. And uh, if Fackerel can hold his strength and, and stay fit, he, he too will eat up snaps. And um, in a perfect world, J. Ron Elliott would become a third down pass rushing rushing specialist, which would really allow for Capers to uh, uh, to to move Matthews around at greater lengths on on expected passing downs. But you know, I I uh, I have a hard time envisioning, uh, based on the way that Elliott's career has advanced, I've had a hard time in, 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 you know envisioning him um, uh, becoming that five to seven sack guy even though, man, I'm pulling for him. Yeah. And, uh, he just seems like an easy, easy guy to cheer for and a, and a true, uh, um, you know, a terrific guy for the community and would love to see him do in the regular season what he did in the first couple of preseasons. 
Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. A guy who's easy to root for. The team's Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, candidate this past year, and uh, it, you've seen those flashes from him. That that game he had against the Seattle Seahawks two years ago stands out. He had the two turnover-inducing plays. Uh, you hope to see more from more of that from him. Uh, but you alluded to Kyler Fackrell. Scott, how much of a second-year jump are we going to see from Kyler Fackrell? We heard he added 10 pounds this offseason. Is that going to help? Well, he needed it. That's that's for sure. And he, and he might need five more. Here's the thing with Fackrell. You know, Fackrell, I think we, we drafted him probably a little too early than we, than we did it because or, or we needed to. And because of that, he has higher expectations. And, uh, you know, Fackrell's a 25-year-old pro, second-year pro, where he should be nearing the time where he's going to be at his prime, right? And uh, uh, Fackrell needed to add strength. But we have to remember that at the end of last year, or the end of the preseason last year, I think we played Kansas City, and Fackrell was maybe our best player, the the lone bright spot on the team that day. And... uh, you know, then in early season, he had a couple of good games. He played really well against Detroit, I thought. Uh, made the big play against the Giants right before the half that added points to the scoreboard and really sort of broke their back and allowed us to break that game open. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like if Fackrell can hold his weight, if he's got the physical stamina to play in this NFL and uh, to play in the NFL, and adding this weight was, was a necessary uh uh, a tool to his to his body to 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 be able to stand up and 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 battle with the force that he needed to in this league, and then also he too had injury issues. So can he stay healthy? And uh, you know I think that the added weight, if he can hold it, will be a a, a real good thing for him. And and hopefully he's been able to keep his quickness. And he had an, he had a nice variety of moves. That he uh, that he showed at time, and they, they were they weren't like uh, overwhelming as far as like the flashiness, but he had a little shake to him that got a uh, got got his uh, his offensive lineman off balance, and he really was he seemed to be a smart pass rusher, and uh, who who was capable of of you know doing the things that I talked about earlier. He looks like he can drop in coverage and play in space in his own defense. He. He looks like if he had the strength that he would be able to extend his arms and play in the run game. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm really hopeful uh, with Fackerel as well that he's going to be able to take that next step and become a legitimate rotational player. Uh, in this 3-4 defense. Yeah, he, he played so well at the beginning of last year and kind of faded as many rookies do, hit the, hitting the proverbial rookie wall and, and kind of fell out of favor towards the end of the season. But you hope, you know, with the added weight, he does better. And, and you know, while you were talking, it just kind of hit me. I, I don't know what it is, but the Packers have so many players from the state of Utah on their team. They got like three guys from Utah State, three guys from BYU. I don't know how many of them are true Mormons, but wow, it, it just stands out to me for whatever reason. Uh, it, it, especially this offseason, didn't it really? Like some, I mean, they bring 
quarterback, they bring in the wide receiver, <laughs> yeah. and it just it was really interesting how they went after a number of guys from Utah this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Vince Beagle, the rookie the Packers added. Uh, how much uh, will is this uh, going to hurt him, Scott, uh, as a result of missing the majority of the offseason program? There, of course, were high hopes for him just because he's the in-state guy and people are familiar with him but he's now missed quite a few practices. I'm not worried about the time that he's missing. In fact, in some ways, I think it could benefit the Packers. I, I, I really believe that Reggie Gilbert could be a surprise name for the Packers this year, and I'm happy. I'm hoping he's getting as many uh, many reps as possible because I think he could be a, a name that we're talking about when we're, when we're trying to draft up the 53-man roster. I, he's kind of my sleeper pick for the year. But so I don't believe Beagle is going to be uh, he, he's going to be much by, um, you know, the time that he's going to be missing as as a as a uh, as as an outside linebacker being injured. I do think that what could be could impact him is is I'm, I fear that this injury could be a lingering injury that adds to additional time later on that he's missing. And uh, obviously that could stunt his year significantly. But as of right now, from what we've uh, uh, for the time that he's missed, you know, I, I don't think it's a, it, it sets him back too much. Let's just hope that, uh, you know, he's ready to go, if not the first day of training camp within the first week of training camp so that we don't miss any time from, uh, you know, with the, in the preseason games. That, that you bring up a good point about him missing time and and not only Vince Beagle there's the kid from Cal Poly the outside linebacker the undrafted rookie the Packers t- signed Josh Latuli Sanoa it's not because of injury he's missing time but because he's like uh Kevin King and he can't take part in the offseason program but what that's doing is opening the door for a guy like Reggie Kilbert to get a lot more snaps than probably expected at this time of year during OTAs here he's got two guys who aren't taking snaps away from him, so he's you know like one one group higher on the depth chart uh, and, and getting a whole lot of time. So yeah, I mean that could definitely be huge for his development. Uh, kind of a sleeper under the radar kind of guy. Uh, Scott, let's talk a little bit about you know we we're talking about pass rushers here. I we talked a lot about the outside linebackers, but you know the outside linebackers aren't one hundred percent responsible for the pass rush. Uh, it can come from other positions and it, you know, uh, let's talk about Mike Daniels here. I think, uh, there's a little bit of attention on him. People have kind of noticed, uh, you know, last year he didn't play a ton on third downs because guys like Julius Peppers were kicking inside on third downs. How much more playing time should Mike Daniels see on third downs this year, uh, in 2017? I think significant uh, playing time on third downs, and that might become a major role in it, in, in 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 his, you know, in in his, uh, um, you know, with the Packers this year. I think that he's going to be a fixture at third down as a as a pass rusher. I really do. And you know, they bring in a guy like Ricky Jean Francois, who who is a a a really good run stopping defensive lineman. Kenny Clark showed to be a really good run-stopping defensive lineman. I think Lowry at times played very good as a, as a run-stopping defensive lineman. And, you know, you put it all together and, uh, you know, you assume maybe Guyon can come in and play as a uh, – if, if he's going to be back after the, the four games, he's more of a first and second down guy. 
Um, Montrevious Adams seems to be at this stage more of a first and second down guy. So it all leads to believe that we're going to have a uh, a energized um, and a uh, full of stamina Mike Daniels on third down getting to the quarterback. And we have to remember that in past years, really Julius Peppers' role in the team, especially over the last two years, was to be an inside pass rusher. That that was his position. And uh, Dayton Jones on third downs, he was an inside pass rusher. So it's going to create opportunities this year. That's a, a major hole that just opened up on the uh, the defensive line. And, you know, based on a social media account, uh, it really looks like Mike Daniels is excited to be that or to have that role with inside this defense this year and that he believes that he's going to be able to, uh, you know, make, and, it, and it might not even be true sacks that you see in the in the stat line, but hurries, right, disruption. Uh, collapsing the plot, the pocket, making that quarterback feel just a bit nervous or just a bit uneasy to where that the, the pass is maybe a little bit more off than uh, uh, or just a little bit off than what uh, he, he might throw if uh, if he felt like he had time and was more poised in the pocket at the moment. And these are the things that I really think that Daniels is going to get contrary to what I say uh, are going to add to the uh, to the defense. Contrary to what I say about, you know, Clay Matthews and playing the leverage battle, Mike Daniels is an absolute master at the, of the leverage game. So he, he does such a great job getting underneath the pads of, uh, of, of the guard or the center that he's taking on and, and pushing. And by being able to do that uh, on a third down, you know, I think that you can, you can add some nerves to a quarterback potentially and, and break down plays. And, I do think uh, that'll be a, a significant role for uh, for Daniels this year. Yeah, I, I was always worried about Mike Daniels, like when he was a rookie early in his second year, that he was too small, too short. But, I mean, you see it. He uses that to his advantage. Uh, you know, the former high school wrestler uh, we've heard so much about. Uh, these guys know how to play with leverage, and Mike Daniels certainly has shown how to do that. Uh, hope for more great things from him. Wonder if we'll see, like, a career high in like number of snaps played from him. I, I think we could see that on a Mike Daniels this year. Uh, Kenny Clark though, uh, Scott, uh, you know, he had five and a half sacks his last year in college. Can he provide any of that? You know, I thought he would, I think on the, uh, you know, our discussion pre-draft, I thought that I might've said that I thought he was going to be a three to five sack year guy. Uh, that's who I see, Kenny Clark. And now, contrary to what I said about uh, uh, Fackrell being, you know, 25, going to be 26, uh, in, uh, you know, later on this year, Kenny Clark is young and developing and molding and, uh, you know, still going to evolve as a professional player. And he plays with such great strength and such great awareness. And he just, he just feels like a really highly intelligent football player. And uh, I do think, we're going to see more of a, of a, of a pass rush from Clark. And uh, I do think we're going to see moves advance in his arsenal as a, uh, as a pass rusher as well. And it wouldn't, is he going to be a five sack guy this year? I, I don't think so, but could he be a two or three sack guy this year? I definitely do. And could he too add to the disruption of the, uh, of the, uh, the, you know, the quarterback's presence back there by collapsing pockets that's what I really see Kenny Clark adding to this defense at a higher level this year than what he did next, or last year. And we might even start to see a little bit 
of the same sort of jump that we saw from B.J. Raji in 2009 to 2010. And we're at the end of 2010. B.J. Raji was a truly legitimate pass rushing uh, weapon. And, uh, uh, you know, towards the end of the, the, the regular season in 2010 and a true difference maker as a pass rusher on early downs. And that could be what uh, in a best case scenario, I think that could be a, a strong possibility that it occurs towards the end, end of this year with Kenny Clark. Yeah, when you look at that Super Bowl season and you add, I, I mean, so many people look at sacks and just look at the regular season. But when you add in, you know, like four postseason games, B.J. Raji had like six, seven sacks that year. Um, you know, if Kenny Clark can do that, wow, that's that really aids a pass rush uh, from the interior. Uh, finally, here, Scott, I, I mean, again, pass rush doesn't have to come just from the front. Um, are there any defensive backs in this secondary that you think are a threat to rush the quarterback blitzing from the secondary? You know, I think that might be a, a highlight from Josh Jones. And I mean, how can you not just be overly stoked about his presence on the roster this year? And it seems like every time you, there's an OTA that's made available to the public, they're talking the Josh Jones highlight film, right? So, <laughs> I, you know, he certainly had that in his game at the college level. And I think that would translate this level. We saw HaHa be able to, at times, put some pressure on the uh on the quarterback uh didn't always finish the play but uh was was able to put himself in position and you know another name that's uh you know sort of under the radar from this thought that early 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 in his rookie year i really thought he was going to be able to turn into a weapon here was quentin rollins and as sort of a blitzing slot cornerback and uh never really came to fruition but uh you know, I I, uh, I thought that he had that, that quick-as-a-cat type movement to where he could use his basketball skills and his basketball wittiness to sort of read read the, the, the blocker's next move and to, to anticipate that move and to beat him and uh, to, to, you know, make an impact as a pass rusher. And then another guy that we haven't really seen it, but, I, you know, I, I, w- I want to see more of Bryce in attack mode at the line of scrimmage coming with pursuit. He plays with a different type of intensity and a different type of mindset than anybody else in that secondary, I think. And he really, he brought a a, a level of physicality that I just wonder how that would translate as a a pursuer of the quarterback on a, uh, you know, coming out of blitz from the edge and, uh, or even on a stunt to the inside and, uh, you know, I, I think that he would be the type of guy that has the the skill set that would really translate well to that position if he was put there. Yeah, yeah. I'll just add one more name, and that's Demarius Randall. From the standpoint that when I watched his film in college at Arizona State, they used him as a blitzer from time to time. He, of course, played safety back then. Uh, but now the Packers got him playing more of a slot. He's going to be a little bit closer to the quarterback this season. Maybe we're going to see some uh, some of that out of him if he can stay healthy and stay on the field and simply from the standpoint that he deserves to be on the field. You hope from that out of him. Uh, maybe we see that as well. Uh, but Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. I'm jealous of Scott. He lives in Denver, of course. He's going to the Dead & Company uh concert tonight scott you ready for that 
I'm I'm overly thrilled. It should be a great time, and I'm glad that the music still lives on, as always, and in, uh, in grand fashion. And really excited for uh, the Deadheads to take over Boulder, Colorado, for a couple of days this weekend, and take it in with grandness. <laughs> Have fun. I'm jealous. Uh, we'll talk to you next month for kind of a training camp preview. Looking forward to it, Brian. Go Sounds pack good. go. Go pack go. Take care, Scott McKenna, the Talking Smack blog. Joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. The day ahead. Just briefly here. I got to get going to work. But um, over this weekend, um, tonight, Friday night, Friday evening, kicks off the annual Vince Lombardi Golf Classic a yearly event raising funds for the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation, of course named after the legendary Packers coach. This event is now in its 47th year. Uh, Friday night starts things off with the Golf Gala being held at the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee. There's dinners, auctions, things like that, and several current and former Packers players are involved. Kicker Mason Crosby is notable because he's one of the chairmen of the event, so he's heavily involved with this. But also taking part this weekend are Packers players like Ty Montgomery, Aaron Ripkowski, Jake Ryan, Blake Martinez, Devon House, among others. And then there's former Packers players involved like Dave Robinson, a Hall of Famer, and Jerry Kramer. Um, so the gal is held Friday night, and then on Saturday is the golf event. At North Country, North Hills Country Club in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee. And as usual, it's open to the public. A $10 admission fee allows you to see the players golf and get autographs on a souvenir pro- program. Uh, this is an event that has a long tradition, and it's good to see it going strong because of the money it raises for charity. Um, elsewhere in the state of Wisconsin this weekend, there will also be appearances by Packers players at the annual Bellin 10K Run in Green Bay on Saturday and neighboring Alloway. And, and then there's also the annual Jerry Perrin's Cruise for Cancer being held on Saturday as well, starting and ending at Vandervest Harley-Davidson in Green Bay, named after the former security director for the Green Bay Packers. It's another event that does well to raise funds for a good cause. Uh, the annual motorcycle ride there. So uh, all sorts of Packers-related events in the state of Wisconsin. If you live in the area, whether it's in the greater Milwaukee area for the Vince Lombardi Golf uh, Classic or, you know, the greater Green Bay area for the the motorcycle ride and the Bell and Run, if if you want to see some Packers players this weekend, uh, the opportunities are there. So go check it out. Um And have a good weekend, folks. I got to get out of here. We'll be back again on Monday. Uh, Already got our guests lined up. It'll be Jordan Peck of the Pack to the Future uh, podcast joining us Monday morning. So we'll talk to you then, folks. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kirvu. I leave you today with a song called Simple Gift of Man by Brothers Past on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. Thank you.